Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 279 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by... You already know who it is. It is, of course, the former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my man? I'm good, my man. How you feeling? All good, my friend. All good. This podcast, I'm going to try to fly through it as quick as possible because we have had unspeakable, unspeakable uh, technical issues this week. So I'm going to try to whiz through it as quick as possible. We're going to start with the review part of the show. We're going to start, of course, at the Wembley Arena Friday. Or, well, it was almost Friday the 13th, you'd have thought. It was actually Saturday the 13th. Uh, let's get to the undercard win for Ivan Price. Uh, on points there, a win for Dalton Smith, a good win actually, he's now 7-0, and oh. uh, I think it was a late replacement for him actually, um, he fought Ishmael Ellis who ended up retiring on his stall, um, and that, that happened in, uh, which round was that again, um, round 3, uh, Lee Wood, good win for him, a TKO in the ninth round against Reese Mould, it was a really good fight actually, Reese Mould had his moments as well, he was down in the 4th, and twice in the ninth and final round, uh, Lee Wood, the deserved British featherweight champion, now 24-2. and two. I'm sure there'll be some big fights out there for him. Zelfa Barrett, now 25-1, and one, a unanimous decision against former super bantamweight world champion Kiko Martinez. He's now 41-2. and Ten with two draws. Barrett was cut over his right eye in the seventh round. Um, very interesting fight, actually. Um, I didn't score the fight... Um, you know, round by round, but it was obviously a close one. Kiko Martinez, you can't buy experience. He was able to trouble Zelfa a few, you know, a few times. Uh, Zelfa was getting caught with the short, uh, the short left hook from Martinez and the straight right hand a lot. Zelfa kept going back in straight lines. It was a much tougher fight than many people expected it would be, and I expected um, Zelfa to probably win on points. But two of the three scorecards were atrocious. They were very wide. Credit to Eddie Hearn as well for addressing it um, in the post-fight interview. In my opinion, Zelfa needed to work off the jab more. He has got a good jab when he decides to use it. It's not all about flashy combinations and trying to knock someone out with every shot. He should have used his jab more to set things up. He was the much taller fighter with the much faster feet, and I just I just think he made it difficult for himself, and a lot of people actually think he probably lost the fight. Um, perhaps even more people think he lost the fight, but he got the, the decision there, and like I say, a couple of scorecards were unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's the best of Zelfa Barrett. I don't think he put it all together like he can do. Uh, it was a close fight, like I say, and I wasn't surprised he got the victory in the end. You know, it wasn't. I, I thought that Kiko Martinez would do well to get the the decision over here. A fight that was that close. I don't think it was you know wide to either guy. And the main event. Wow, what a shocker! Josh Warrington. 
He was 30-0 going in. He loses his O against Maurizio Lara, who's now 22-2. and um, I was very disrespectful towards Lara on last week's show. I said, no, you know, no one wants to see him in a ring. Um, wow. I mean, I just can't believe Josh Warrington. You know, you've got a feel for him, kind of. You know, he decided to vacate his belt. He didn't want to fight Galahad. There would have been good money in that fight. He didn't want to fight... Um, well, he did want to fight Kanzu in the unification. That didn't happen. At, at one stage, there was the possibility of the Shakur Stevenson fight. These were all big, 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 big money fights, perhaps even pay-per-view fights. They've all gone because he decided to fight Maurizio Lara. And, you know, you've got a feel for Lara because the IBF didn't even sanction the fight. They didn't even think it was a, you know, a good fight for their belt. And I don't understand how because he was ranked in the top 15, but... He's proven there, Lara, that he, you know, perhaps even should be a world champion right now. He's got to be quite disappointed. He went in there and absolutely smashed Josh Warrington to pieces, and I cannot believe it. No one can, actually. Uh, Going through the fight itself, though, I'm going to get onto it pretty quickly here. Warrington was clearly the much better boxer for me. Um, Lara apparently did seem to have those ridiculously heavy hands that we were kind of getting told in the build-up, but no one really knew because he didn't really have any standout names on his record. It's easy to knock out these guys who are not very good. So, um, so you know, we didn't know how good he was. We didn't know how legit his power was, but it seemed to be very, very legit. You know, he put Warrington down in the fourth. Warrington's legs were all over the place. Howard Foster, the referee, pretty much got Warrington through that round. Um, He came out in the next round and his legs still did not look right. They were still shaky. The clash of styles seemed to be all wrong for Josh Warrington. He did cause some bad swelling on Lara's right eye. I'll give Warrington credit for that. And it happened after he got hurt, actually. So big credit for that. Um, Warrington just couldn't. He couldn't deter Lara. Lara walked through everything Warrington threw. And the whole fight, Warrington's punch resistance just wasn't there. He was getting hurt constantly. He was getting caught um, time and time again. And then in the ninth round, yeah, you know, he was dropped. It was hard. And um, and the referee did the right thing to, to wave it off. Um, he'd seen enough. And I've got to say, it's a, it's a big criticism, but I, I just have to say it. Josh Warrington looked like Amir Khan when he got caught, you know, or every time he gets caught. It looked like that. If if you, you know, if you blindfolded me and I couldn't, well, that wouldn't work. But if I, I don't know, if, if, if for some reason you told me that was Amir Khan and he, you know, he, it looked like Amir Khan. It looked like Amir Khan. I, I can't. You know, that's just what it looked like to me. He was getting hit and hurt. He had no, you know, it looked like he had no chin. Where I've never said that about about Warrington before, you know. He seems like he takes a good shot. He just didn't have it, man. He did not have it. And it was shocking. Um, Like I say, um, credit to, to Lara. He really made me eat my words after last week. And I just can't believe that Warrington now is beltless. He's lost his O. He wouldn't have been paid heavily for this fight here. And he's, you know, this is where he is. What a tough position. Incredible. Um, I, I have to feel sorry for him. I really do. Because no one saw this coming, especially him. And like that, if you're, an, you know, if you're one of the other champions, if you're a Kanzu... What's really the point in fighting him now? He doesn't have anything to offer you. There's no crowds. You know, I think his stocks have gone plummeting there. Anyway, moving out now to the Fantasy Springs Casino in in Indio, California. Over here, um, 
couple fights to mention. A win for Shane Mosley Jr. He's now 17-3. and His opponent, Christian Olivas, retired at the end of round five there. That one was for the vacant WBO NABO super middleweight title. Uh, Ronnie Rios with a win. Unanimous over 10 rounds. Very wide in the end against Oscar Negrete. Quite surprising, actually. I thought that would be a more competitive fight. But Ronnie Rios, very good win. 33-3. and His record. Patrick Texera, the Brazilian. He loses his WBO World Super Welterweight title. He was, um, you know, beaten soundly by Brian Castanho, who, again, I was bigging up last week, and for good reason. He looked unbelievable. Um, highly impressive there. Patrick Texera now 31-2. and Brian Castanho, he wants that, that Charlo fight, I believe. He's now 17-0 and with a draw. He's the new world champion. Um, really, honestly, great fighter he is. And Joseph Jojo Diaz, now 31-1 and with a draw. A majority draw against Shavkat Zon Rakimov, who's now 15-0 and with a draw. The title was only on the line for Rakimov because Diaz missed the weight. It's not the first time in his career he's missed the weight, Jojo Diaz. It seems to be a problem. He lost the weight when he was at the weight below. When he was at um, featherweight, he missed the weight once for a world title fight and the belt wasn't on the line for him. He won the fight, but he couldn't take the belt home. And here he loses his title on the scales. Tevin Farmer, if he had hair, he'd be ripping it out. He was furious absolutely furious. They're already talking about who's going to be fighting for the vacant title and it's going to be Kenichi Ogawa and someone else. Can't remember who the other guy is. I think he's from Eastern Europe somewhere. Kagawa's the guy that Tevin Farmer lost to but then he tested positive for PEDS. So Tevin Farmer's double angry. Uh, Joseph Jojo Diaz, you know, something just didn't look right from him. I don't know what it was. Something just didn't look right. Rakimov turned up. He turned up to fight. And many people thought he should have got the decision, actually. Um, so he wasn't too pleased. Joseph Jojo Diaz went straight on Twitter after the fight and said he wants to fight the likes of Jamel Herring, the likes of Bershel, the likes of um, whoever the other champion is at Super Feather. Um, I can't remember who the other one was. Um, anyway... Called out all the champions, and um, is it Javante? I can't remember. Called out all the champions, and um, yeah, I don't understand why anyone would want to fight him now, because once again, he has lost his belt. He's a really good fighter, just like Warrington, same kind of thing. Um, Aside from the fact that Warrington got knocked out and took a loss and actually threw the belt in the bin before the fight, uh, Joseph Jojo Diaz, you know, he... He lost the belt on the scales, fair enough. I think the payday was quite big, though. But, um, yeah, what a way to go out. Both guys have shot themselves in the foot on the same evening there, Joseph Jojo Diaz and um, Warrington, who was 30-0, and and Joseph Jojo Diaz 31-1. and Maybe something there, um, dirty 30s, I don't know. Anyway, moving out now to the bubble in the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada, USA, over here. Uh, one fight to mention on the undercard, a good win for friend of the show, Jared Anderson, the undefeated heavyweight. They're talking about him being the next big thing. They're talking about him perhaps being, um, you know, the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the next kind of big heavyweight hope from the USA. Uh, many people think he's a world champion in the making, but it was a good win for him. He bloodied up the nose of his opponent, um, 
who, like I said on last week's show, he went the distance with Guido Vianello and got a draw. Uh, That was his last fight. So very impressive from Anderson. And Anderson had never been in the sixth round, and he entered that in this this fight here, but he did get the stoppage in the end. He continues his 100% KO streak, and like I say, they're hailing him as the next big heavyweight hope. Um, He did as well say in his post-fight interview that he wants to fight guys with undefeated records. He wants to take zeros, and I like that attitude. Um, You've got a feel for Joe Smith Jr. as well. He didn't end up fighting for the world title in the end because his opponent, Maxim Vlasov, tested positive for COVID and the fight was called off at the last minute. Absolutely devastating stuff there for Joe Smith Jr. Gutted. Um, Elsewhere on that same card... um, Richard Comey, yeah, he was the main event in the end. He got elevated to the main event. He moved to 30 career wins. He's got those three losses. It was a KO in round six against Jackson Marinez. Um, Again, very impressive from Comey. Um, He's still got that power. We know that. Jackson Marinez, in his one loss, he'd gone the distance with Rolando Romero, a guy who's been hyped up heavily. So, um... For Comey to do one better than that and knock his man out, that's impressive for me. Uh, in that sixth round, it was a straight right hand. It was like a one-two, um, you know, that, that put Marinez down. And then Marinez, you know, he got back up and, uh, and yeah, literally, as soon as he got back up, Comey ran over to him and hit him with the exact same combo, the straight one-two, boom, boom. And his opponent went down like he got shot, actually. There was no need for the count. Good night. Um, Yeah, I I like to see uh, that from Comey. He's a guy I'm actually a big fan of. You know, he's got four losses. No, three losses in total, hasn't he? Uh, Two of them were very controversial to Robert Easter and to Denis Shafikov, I think it was. And they were both split decisions in his opponent's backyards. And then, of course, he lost by KO to Tiafimo Lopez. No dispute in that. But we've gone on to see what, what Tiafimo can do. And Tiafimo was there as well. You know, he was in the corner, actually. Um, he's, he seems to be really cool with Comey, which is, is really good to see. Um, but anyway, that's it for that one. I believe that is it for the review part of the show. The final thing to do before we wrap up part one is to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated welterweight ranked number six in the world with a WBO. It is, of course, Mr. Michael McKinson. Mike, welcome back on the show, my man. Hiya, how you doing? Absolutely doing very well. Now I'm speaking with you, Mike. So, Mike, we last spoke almost a year to the day ago. It was just before that Louis Green fight, which obviously was postponed due to COVID. Uh, You did, however, end up having a fight, albeit in the late part of 2020, against a fellow undefeated fighter, Martin Harkin. A good win for you once again. Tell us a couple words on that one. Yeah, I'm just uh, grateful to be able to fight last year, really. Obviously, I was meant to fight Louis Green. Um, then the pandemic happened. Uh, then I was meant to fight another guy, and they ended up that cancelling. So I had three training camps last year, three full training camps more or less. And I'm like, thankfully the the third one actually went ahead, and I managed to fight. And like, I'm grateful to even fight because I know there's a lot of guys that have not been able to fight last year, a lot of boxers and stuff like that. So I'm extremely grateful to be able to fight and even better that beating a, a dangerous unbeaten guy, you know? 
Yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant win. Um, and it was, you know, it was a fight we wanted to see. You've had trouble getting, uh, you know, guys from these shores in the ring with you. But anyway, you've, you've, you know, you spent a long time calling out these these big fights for a long time. Like I say, almost to the point where it's been frustrating for boxing fans that support you. Like, why doesn't anyone want to fight you, Mike? But anyway, here we have it. Um, Chris Congo, he is the man that stepped up to the plate. Is this the kind of fights that you were hoping for? Yeah, definitely. Like. I believe like, I've been about the big names for a couple of years now and I have made noise to try and get the fights and nothing ever came of it really. You, like People talk about the likes of Chris Congo, Josh Kelly, Connor Ben and my name was never mentioned for whatever reason. Um, after my last fight I got out the ring and I called Chris Congo out. It went quiet over Christmas and the New Year and, um, and then we got offered the fight like about a month ago, you know, so um, I'm glad to be finally on this stage. I'm glad to my name to be mentioned alongside the part of Good Fighters now because I, I deserve to be here. Um, it was just a matter of time, but now I'm here and I'm not planning on staying, uh, leaving. <laughs> <laughs> good you good yeah. you corrected that, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the date's set for March the 6th. Fact that, well, we're not quite sure where it's going to be at the minute, but it's going to be on the Pavekin White 2 undercard. Um, what are your thoughts on Congo as a fighter, Mike? I, I must say, I kind of respect the way he's come up. He's Well, I say the way he's come up. His last fight was a good and that's what I'm saying. But you've sparred him in the past. It was quite a while ago. Uh, what's your thoughts on Congo as a fighter, Mike? He's a very good fighter. Um, Chris Congo's a very good fighter. Um, yeah, he got a great win over Luther Clay. Uh, he's very dangerous. I actually think he's the most dangerous one in the pot. Um, I don't necessarily think he's the best, but he's definitely the most dangerous. So um, the victory will be even sweet when, even more sweet when when I do win. Um, you know, there's there's the respect there, but this this is my golden ticket uh, to to change my life and change my daughter's life. You know, so I'm coming and I'm snatching everything away from Chris Congo. Oh, excellent words, man. And, you know, we get a lot of guys coming through, undefeated guys that seem, I don't want to say they're scared to risk it, but for whatever reason, fights don't happen. Like we say, you've been calling out, you know, a big fight for a long, long time. Congo stepped up against Clay, like you mentioned. It seems like you two are probably the only two right now domestically at welterweight that have that energy. They, You know, you share that same energy to want to put it all on the line. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, we're both two hungry fighters. Um, I can guarantee Chris Congo's never been in the ring with somebody as hungry and as determined as I am, you know. Um, he's had one proper fight. And he, it, like, to be fair, he, it was a good win over Luther Clay. I've done close to 100 rounds of sparring with Luther Clay in the past. Um, and there's the respect for Luther Clay there as well. But when it comes to levels, I'm a few levels above these guys. And I think Chris Chris is going to find that out on March 6th very quickly. And you say that Chris is probably the most dangerous welterweight in, in the country. Um, yeah. Why? What makes you say that? Because obviously, I don't know if you're speaking about literally everyone like your Khans and Brooks, but, uh, you know, help help me understand that. Why is he the most dangerous guy? Yeah, you can't really put Khan and Brook into the... I don't know if they'll ever fight at welterweight again. Hmm. Um but Chris is he's a big welterweight. He carries a lot of punching power, and he's very athletic. Um, so I, I would class him as the most dangerous to fight. 
um, definitely, but but um, that doesn't necessarily mean he's the best, you know. Like uh, Josh Kelly's very talented, um, also, and obviously Chris Jenkins is experienced, and there's a good na- there's a good pot to be involved in at the moment. Um, but I just think with the athleticism and the size and the strength that Chris Congo possesses, I just class him as the most dangerous. Okay, well there you go. It is it is a fight that everyone is definitely looking forward to. Uh, I want to get your take, Mike, on a couple of other fights taking place at welterweight. Um, you know, involving guys, you know, domestically. Conor Ben against Sammy Vargas. Um, I like that fight, man. What's your thoughts? Yeah. Um, first, like firstly, like Conor Ben's obviously had a lot of stick in his professional career off the other welterweights and people wanting to fight him and jump at him jump at him on his performances and who he's fighting etc and I'm one of them like I'm one of the main people that have <laughs> been on that on that train but you've got to give Chris uh, Conor Ben credit um, he's improved a heck of a lot um, he's doing his own thing but everyone can see him improving and you know like there's not really much bad words I can say to Conor Ben and like he deserves the credit now Um so how do I think that fight will go? I, I don't necessarily think that fight is a a step up from Formella. Um, like I personally think Conor Ben will stop Vargas late on. Um, I think the media and everything will hype it to be another step up, but I don't believe that whatsoever. Okay, yeah, no, interesting take. And this weekend as well, Josh Kelly, David Avanesian. Um, I remember asking you this a year ago. At that at that time, you said um, you thought it'd be quite a close fight through the first half. Perhaps David Avanesian would be losing on points, but then he'd rally back and perhaps stop Josh late on. Everyone seems to be flip-flopping and changing their mind. It's been such a long time. We've had about four or five cancellations. It's finally here. Uh, what's your latest and probably last prediction on this one? <laughs> I've been... Well, I haven't really made... I've been on the fence for ages on this one. Um, I couldn't call it. Like, for ages, I thought Avanesian would be too much for Josh Kelly over over the 12 rounds. Um, I think Josh Kelly's got every tool to be able to get the job done. He looks very, very prepared. Um, he looks well up for the fight. And for the first time, I'm going to make my my thoughts on the fight, I'm going to say Josh Kelly wins on a close point. And that's the first time I've said in any interview, any anywhere, that I think Josh Kelly's going to win. And it's it's fight week, and I've changed my mind last minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. That is uh, it's a fight we're all looking forward to. And I know that you, um, you know, not just as a boxer, but also as a fan, sometimes like to sit back and watch these fights happen. This is one I know you'll be tuned in for. Um and yeah, the... I'm, a, I'm a massive boxing fan. Oh, yeah. I am a massive boxing fan, and like that is a great fight for the fans. Like I'll be tuning in as, in as a fan. Hopefully, like in the future, I'll be able to get one of them guys. But for now, I'll sit back and as a fan. Also, with the Florian Marco and Ryland Charlton fight, you know, Ooh, I, yeah. I've, like I'm not saying I want to fight them because they they've had less than ten pro fights and stuff like that. But, but what a matchup that that looks to be. Um, on the same card as the uh, Josh Kelly one. So I'll be tuning in, sitting back and enjoying a good night of boxing, I think. 
Oh man, that's another great one there. Um, okay, so yeah, that, that's oh man, what a, what a great night! Really, a, really a brilliant yeah. night for welterweights. Uh, I remember as well. Last time we spoke, you actually were saying that you were at the time really looking forward to the to the Clay Congo fight as well. That was before you even knew you'd be fighting the winner. But anyway, um, I want to get your take on the main event of the card that you're on, Dillian and Povetkin. Is it revenge for Dillian or is it repeat for Povetkin, Mike? Um, I think Dillian won't make the same mistakes as last time on this one. Like he was in control. He it, like he had dropped Povetkin a couple of times. He was cruising the fight, and I think he just, I think he switched off a little bit. You know, when you've got somebody as inexperienced and as dangerous as Alexander Povetkin, all, we all see all it took was one split second, and the fight was over. Um, I don't think Dylan White will make that mistake this time. I know he's going to be fully focused, switched on, and I think he'll get the job done. Um, I think he will knock Povetkin out. I think he'll be cautious doing it, but I think he'll knock him out mid to late rounds. Okay, we we hope so. We hope so from a British point of view. And just finally, uh, Mike, I was going to ask you... um, well, I'm not even going to ask you this because I already know the answer, but I remember last time we spoke, you said as well, Tyson Fury, you're a massive fan of his, so I'm not even going to waste my time and ask about Fury, Joshua. I know what you're going to say in that one. <laughs> but just finally, Fury Mike, all day. <laughs> any closing words just to our listeners before we let you go? If you want to, you know, I don't know, thank sponsors, give any closing words, completely say what you like before we let you go, my friend. Yeah, everyone has helped me to get to this point, really. Um, Obviously, I'm finally on a big stage. And I know like the bookies have me as the underdog. I think many people in the boxing world has me as the, have me as the underdog as well. But like I really do believe in myself. I believe in my team around me. And like I promised my city of Portsmouth that that win's coming back. Okay, there we have it. And like we say, go and follow Mike on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, at MikeyTheProblem. But listen, Mike, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Best of luck for March 6th, and I hope that we can catch up sometime after. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Always got time for you. No worries. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part. Uh, Matchroom have announced a fight card to take place in Spain on March 26th. It's a Friday. Um, Over here, we get to see Sandor Martin versus K Prosper. That's a really good fight there for the European super lightweight title. And also Andoni Gargo. That is a guy that, off the top of my head, got knocked out. I think he got knocked out by Lee Selby on the Hey Bell U2 undercard, I want to say. Uh, or maybe it was Hey Bell U1. I can't remember now. I think that's the same guy. And Donny Gargo. He takes on friend of the show, former European champion, um, Gavin McDonnell. That one is actually for the European featherweight title. So Gavin McDonnell hoping to become a two-time European champion. Also on the card, Spain's probably Spain's best fighter at the minute, Sergio Garcia. He is on the card as well. And also, Kerman Leharaga. So that's quite a big card there for Spanish standards. Um, What else do we have? What else do we have? Um, Frank Warren has announced um, two fight cards that are actually taking place one day after the other. Um, The first is March 26th, which is a Friday, of course. Over here, the main event, Akeem Ennis-Brown, 14-0, fights for the 
Commonwealth and British super lightweight titles against the undefeated 14-0 Sam Maxwell. That is a brilliant fight. Also on the card, Brad Foster takes on Alvaro Rodriguez. Danny Ball, 9-0 with a draw, takes on Sam Gilly. That's a brilliant, brilliant fight there. And Dennis McCann as well. He features against a decent opponent. It's a step up for him. David Adelaide on the card as well. Uh, the very following evening, on the 27th, the Saturday, we get to see topping the bill Chris Jenkins against Eku Esseman for the British and Commonwealth welterweight titles. Also, Lennox Clark against Willie Hutchinson for the vacant British and Commonwealth super middleweight titles. Brilliant, brilliant fights there. Also, Nathan Gorman returns to action. Um, he is having his first fight since beating Richard Larty. And there's a few other guys on the undercard. So keep an eye out for those ones there. That's it for the news. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with a card that's going to be taking place in Russia at the Vegas City Hall. And it's a strange one. And I do like strange ones. Fedor Chudinov, 23-2. and takes on Isaac Chalemba 26 and 7 with two draws. I've been thinking about that fight for a good 24 hours now and I'm just not sure what's going to happen. I think Isaac Chalemba is tough enough to beat Chudinov, but it's tricky to know what Chudinov has left at this point. Very interesting one, very weird one in Russia there. Moving out now to the Wembley Arena in London, United Kingdom. Over here, uh, Jordan Gill, 25 and 1, takes on Cesar Juarez, who's 25 and 9. Robbie Davies Jr., friend of the show, 20 and 2, takes on Gabriel Valenzuela, who's 22 and 2 with a draw. A brilliant, brilliant fight for two undefeated punchers. Florian Marku. 7 and 0 with a draw takes on Ryland Charlton who is 6 and 0 with a draw that is going to be fireworks very much looking forward to that but even though the undercard fights are quite good they do not have a patch on the main event David Evanesian 26 and 3 with a draw friend of the show he puts his EBU European welterweight title on the line against the undefeated 2016 Olympian Josh Kelly, 10-0 with a draw. Um, very interesting fight. David Avanesian and Josh Kelly. I cannot believe it's finally here. It's got to be the fourth or fifth time it's been rescheduled. COVID, um, you know, put a stop to it at one point. Josh Kelly on the day of the fight pulled out a couple years ago. I think that was 2018 or 2019. It is a fight that is supposed to have took place a long, long time ago. And I just cannot believe we're finally here. It is going to be so good. I'm really looking forward to it. Both guys, friends of the show, I'd like to see the best man win here. I really like David Avanesian and Josh Kelly as well. Very, very good guy. Um, I'm just thoroughly looking forward to that fight, honestly. That is an absolute brilliant, brilliant fight there. Moving out now, though, to the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, USA. The return... Eddie of Adrian Broner, 33 and 4 with a draw. He takes on the undefeated Giovanni Santiago, who's 14 and 0 with a draw, with 10 KOs, by the way. Um, yeah, Adrian Broner back in the ring for the first time since his loss to Manny Pacquiao in 2019, uh, which was two years ago. He actually, he actually doesn't have a win, Adrian, for um, for four years. This week, that was the last win he had against Adrian Granados, and it was a split decision. Some people thought he actually lost that one there. Are you excited for the return of the problem? 
um, if he's going to actually be a damn problem, then not nothing, nobody can, that it, it is easy to solve for somebody. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's unfortunate that his career, his career has been the way it has been. You know what I mean? He's really talented, but, you know, you want to say the streets got him, but <laughs> I think fame has got him more so than the streets. <clears throat> I think he's just got so caught up into what his name is and who he is as a, you know, uh, as a celebrity more so than his ability as a fighter. And I think that's where he's, he's lost, man. He's just, you know, and a lot of, a lot of athletes go through it. You gotta, you can't forget where you come from really. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta be uh, loyal uh, to, to what you do. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you can't be famous without having something to be famous for. You know what I'm saying? You can't just all of a sudden, Oh, I'm famous. You know, everybody can't be a Kardashian. You know what I mean? So, at the end of the day, you got to do what your talent, you know, talent, your talent tells you, tells you. And the way he's been recently, it's just not been good. You know what I mean? Talk about being about billions and all that craziness, man. Just box. Just do what you do, what you were more, you were meant to do and do it the best of your ability. And eventually, you know, things will work out for you. He's not doing it. He was doing it like he was already a star, a star already, trying to be Floyd before he was even before he was even Adrian Broner. You know what I'm saying? You gotta you gotta make a name for yourself in a, in a good way first, then you can start having fun. But um, that's the biggest issue with him is you know if he can, can he get out his own way and use his talents and 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 do and do the best that he possibly can do at the at the weight that he needs to be at and be the and be disciplined, take care of business and. You know, good things will happen for him. I mean, I don't know if he's too far gone now, though. We shall see. Wise words from Eddie there. Uh, the undercard is really, really good. Like, honestly, the undercard is brilliant. There's a great fight between Zachariah Choa, 21-1, and a 10-rounder there against Juan Velasco, 22-2. and His two losses came to Regis Progray and, um, oh, God, Mario Barrios, I believe it was. So, uh no, was it Mario Barrios? Yes, it was. They were back-to-back losses, but he's come back with a couple wins. That's a really good fight. Also, Robert Easter Jr., 22-1 and with a draw. Um, I've been wondering what's happened to him, really, because he seems to have gone awfully quiet since losing to Mikey Garcia almost three years ago now. He was a really good fighter, huge for the weight. Anyway, he's back against Ryan Martin, 24-1. and um, Again, he's a guy that's kind of gone missing, really. He lost to Josh Taylor in the World Boxing Super Series, and then um, he's come back with two wins, but they've been on, like, deep undercards in the middle of nowhere. So that's a good fight there, uh, Robert Easter and Ryan Martin. Also on the card, Roche Warren, 17-3, and takes on Sharon Carter, who's 12-3. and And then the final fight to mention on the undercard, it's another really good fight that I like, um, and it's a heavyweight one as well, so I'm going to come to you for it, Eddie. Otto Wallin, 21-1, and of course, that one loss to Tyson Fury. He gets in with Dominic Brazil, 20-2, and two, the two losses yeah. to Joshua and Wilder. Wow. <laughs> I really yeah. like that fight. That could be quite fun. Yeah, it could be an interesting fight. I mean, you two big guys in there throwing punches at each other. You know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, who's the better man that night? Otto Wallin, in, in my opinion, I mean, I guess Dominic Brazil has you know, more notable competition in recent, but in recent years, but he's been knocked out by both big names that he, well, both huge names that he's fought. And, you know, he has heart and everything and that's all good, but you got to have a fight game too. 
Then Otto Wallen fought probably the best heavyweight in, in, in a while. And then, 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 you know, well, I'm saying a while in the last five or so years. And Tyson has the ability to be all time great. And he did well with him. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we know styles make fights, but, you know, with, with Wallen doing as well as he did with Tyson and making that fight kind of uh, interesting anyway, you know, with the cut and all that stuff kind of worked out for him. But now fighting Dominic Brazil, you would think he would probably be the favorite one. And, I mean, that's just, you know, just from that aspect. Now, obviously, fights aren't done on paper and, you know, what looks one way can, you know, can completely turn out and be the other way. So the idea of, of Wallen, just because he did well with Tyson being the favorite can be, you know, kind of like you know, limited, you know, limited in the, to a degree of, of, you know, trying to use that as a measuring stick. But um, he looked better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He looked better against Tyson than than Brazil did with uh, Wilder or or um, Joshua. Uh, Joshua. So, so I mean, I guess you can't really say it or measure it any other way. And uh, well, we'll see. Okay, that is it for that one. Moving out now to the Escape Ballroom. The Escape Ballroom in South Carolina. Over here, friend of the show, Malik Warren. He's the undefeated prospect, 3-0 with three second-round KOs in a row. He's back here. Um, he was on a couple weeks ago. He takes on Deron Merriweather, or Merriwester, I think it's pronounced, who's actually a debutant. So best of luck there to Malik Warren. Um... Moving now to this one taking place at the Double Tree Miami Mart Hotel in Florida, USA. Kana Islam, 27 and 0. He's a name that I just, you know, I've kind of forgotten about really. He had a really nice looking record, a bunch of knockouts. Um, he's actually, well, he was born in China. He's a Kazakh, na- you know, Kazakh nationality and he lives in California. Can't get more confusing. Um, I think he had a few fights in Canada as well, if I'm not mistaken, I think. Um, anyway, he is back on this card against Obadai Sai, who is 35 and free with a draw. Um, yeah, he has a loss to Walter Cowton Dokwa. I remember him getting uh, beaten by uh, by Demetrius Andrade, and his, his other loss came to Jamie Cox. Wow. And Derek Webster. So they're, they're decent guys, to be honest. All undefeated guys. But anyway, Kanat Islam should be too much, despite Kanat Islam not fighting since 2019. In fact, both guys haven't fought since 2019. Anyway, that is that one. Moving on now to the final card to mention. It takes place at the bubble in the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. On the undercard, not too much. A couple of prospects. Uh, I think his name is Xander Zayez or something. I don't know how it's pronounced. 6 and 0. He's a really good fighter by the way. Sonny Conto, 6-0. He gets out again. Gabriel Flores Jr., 19-0. He takes on Jason Velez, 29-7 with a draw. That should be quite good. Esquiva Falcao, 27-0 in a 10-rounder against Artur Akovov. People will know him for fighting Billy Joe Saunders and uh, Demetrius Andrade. He's 20-3. Elvis Rodriguez against Luis Alberto Verón. And the main event, 
Miguel Bashelt, 37 and 1. He defends his WBC Super Featherweight World title against Oscar Valdez, friend of the show, 28 and 0. Um, yeah, that's a 12 rounder, of course. Oscar Valdez, I'd love to see him do it. Uh, nice guy, uh, a little bit crazy outside of boxing with his. You know, his exotic pets and the rest of it. They posted a picture uh, this week of him with a huge, like, huge anaconda around his neck. He is a bit crazy, but all the fun stuff and crazy stuff aside, he is a good boxer with a ton of heart. The only problem for me is that Bechel is a bit too big for him. Um, you know, he's a big super feather, and Oscar Valdez, for me, isn't. You know, he recently, of course, moved up to. Uh, super feather from feather and I don't know man I think Miguel Bichelle's too big and too rough it's going to be an all-out action-packed fight because Oscar Valdez knows no different the only problem is he doesn't have much defense and you know he he likes to walk into shots he likes to give one to take one I don't think or take one to give one whatever you want to call it I don't think that's wise in this fight I can't see him all of a sudden overnight turning into a boxer that hits and doesn't get hit. It's going to be all action. It's going to be exciting. There's going to be blood, I'd say. And I think, unfortunately, it probably ends with Oscar Valdez. Uh, I think he's going to go down, definitely. He, he's got a bit of a habit of going down and getting back up. I'm not sure he's going to get up every time he goes down in this fight. I think I can see him getting stopped within the distance. A uh, big, you know, Miguel Bachelet, really big puncher, the absolute danger man of the division. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. He's got power himself, Valdez, but I'm not sure it ends well for him. Um, yeah, that's the final fight to mention. If you want to say a word on that fight, Eddie, if you want. Uh, if not, we can just wrap things up. I've seen a little bit of Bachelet before. At, um, not too uh, sure about the other kid. Um, and he is like a pretty strong, come forward, big punching dude aggressive um and if you got a guy coming up from a lighter weight to compete now you know we all know that coming up from a lighter weight the pace may be a little bit faster but these these guys are all like the, the divisions that are, are that low they're all fast paced so um i don't i don't know if that's going to be an advantage i would think the size would be more of a more of a disadvantage for the guy coming up so it may be a real thing you know, may be real a real tough task him coming up to try to Especially if he's a come forward guy right there to be hit, not really a slick, you know, speedy guy. You know what I mean, like a little Machenko or, or even um, uh, man, I can't even get his name out. But let's just, we'll just use Lomachenko. Even not like a Lomachenko moving around and and using his uh creativity and craftiness and footwork and all. Um, if he's just right in front of you, it's gonna be hard for a smaller guy to come up and dominate. You know what I mean? So it's just I don't I don't think. Valdez will be able to uh, – I don't want to say he won't do well because you never know. You know what I mean? Maybe he's just that guy. But uh, I'm doubting it with Burchett. He's just really a you know, heavy-handed, aggressive, strong type of destroying type dude. And for a smaller guy to come up and try to compete with that, especially coming forward, is going to be hard. Yeah, I have to agree. I hope that I'm wrong. I hope Valdez can pull it off. Like I say, he's a nice guy. I really like the guy. Um, but it's a very tough ask. He has had two fights at the weight, but they've been against much lower level. Adam Lopez and Jason Velez. This is the real deal. Bichelle, you know, 37-1 and one with 33 KOs. It's, it's a tall order for anyone. 
especially a smaller guy. But believe me, that is a fight not to be missed because, like I say, it will be all action. It really will. Um, Oscar Valdez always comes to fight, and he's never in a dull fight. He's he's either putting you down or getting put down himself. It will be very, very interesting. So do not miss that one on Saturday night. Don't miss any of it, for that matter. Uh, we've, we've spoken about the review part in part one and we welcomed our sole guest we did the news we've just done the preview the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds okay and this wraps up episode 279 of the box hard podcast i've been your host joey coastman eddie chambers has been with me for the duration of the show a massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast the undefeated top welterweight contender mr michael mckinson there has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show and it's a sad piece of news Jamel Herring versus Carl Frampton is off. It's been postponed. Uh, Carl Frampton has injured his hand in preparation for the fight. The fight will be rescheduled and a new date will be announced pretty soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe and we shall see you all again next week.